Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hi, my name is Dr. Nick Smolowski, and I'm also a geoholic. Thanks for tuning in to another quote-unquote auto-focused edition of Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We at Bad Elf live our lives 60 seconds at a time, and we know you do too. As always, our goal is to cram the most relative spatial news content into the shortest space and time possible. For this week's spatial news, we are discussing Point One Navigation's new Polaris GNSS RTK network. Point One Navigation has recently brought online its new USA coast-to-coast RTK network. This network will be predominantly utilized for a variety of precise positioning applications like autonomous vehicles or AV. With the uh, automobile revolution on our hands, self-driving cars need to be uh, precise and accurate to keep the cars on the road and as safe as possible. Additionally, a newly announced relationship has been established between Point One Nav and the GNSS provider BadElf. The BadElf Flex will be the one of the first GNSS receivers available to the public to be able to access and utilize the innovative Polaris RTK network. The integration seeks to simplify the process of connecting to a nationally based network, making the solution beyond user friendly. Brian Galusha, COO and co-founder of Point One Nav, said that the Battle Flex is a game-changing GNSS receiver and we are delighted to offer a fully integrated, easy-to-use corrections solution in partnership with Badelf, eliminating the need to search for a local correction source. This enables a truly out-of-the-box correction solution that is ready to use in seconds. As technology continues to evolve following Moore's Law, simplistic solutions like this seem to be industry game-changers. No longer does it seem that you need to have a PhD in astrophysics to have a fully capable survey grade GNSS in your toolbox. Hopefully this makes sense to you because it seems to make sense to me. Okay, that does it for this week's Bad Elf 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We hope that you've enjoyed our selected story of the week. As always, if you have any questions about this news, about Bad Elf's global positioning satellite systems, or any other pressing existential thoughts about the cosmos, please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. Catch you on the flip side. Thanks, everyone. Just a quick note to express our appreciation for the 2021 Friends of the Program for their continued support. Please consider their products and services as they have special promos for Geoholics listeners. Aerotech Mapping, Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, CyanicAutomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, Get Kids Into Survey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, Mentoring Mondays, MentoringMondays.com, dot x y z monson engineering monsonengineering.com parkland community college parkland.edu forward slash land dash surveying safety apparel safetyapparel.us and last but not least tiger supplies tigersupplies.com Hello, Geoholics. Perfect song for this episode right there. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us for this being episode 76. Shoots, what, what did you come up with for 76? You guys got any guesses? No, none. Basketball. I went a little uh, off the rails on this one. Is it rugby? No. Is it lawn bowling? No. 
I have no idea. It's a college football number. He may have changed it in the pros. Okay. But Mr. Warren Sapp wore number 76 when he was at the University of Miami. Oh, okay. So stats on him. Well, he was at the University of Miami. In 1994, he had a heck of a year. He won the Bronco Nagas, Nagursa, Nagurski? Nagurski. Nagurski. Oh, my goodness. I'm not from How Chicago. How do you not know Bronco Nagurski? I'm not from Chicago. All right. That was That's the obvious. best defensive player. The Rotary Lombardi Award for Best Lineman or Linebacker. And yep. the Bill Willis Award for Best Defensive Lineman. So gotcha. he had a heck of a year. And then he parlayed that into 1995 being the first round pick number 12 overall to the Tampa Bay Bucks, And then he did a little something in the NFL. In 2013, he was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. Fantastic. Good choice. Yeah, I had to, I had to dig deep. Do you know his number in the uh, NFL? 99. Oh, it's 99. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. we're going to pick a different okay. 99. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah, Wayne Gretzky. Oh, stop don't, it. Sh- don't ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> That's an obvious one. All right. So you know what? I usually t- I take notes for all the shows, and I, I'm, I had some notes here about we were supposed to actually be recording in uh, PJ's Beat Lab studio tonight, um, but as it worked out, we happened to get into the new studio. This is our very first time here in the new Diamondback Land Surveying Studio, so I am so excited to be here. This is going to be such a great space. I can't wait to post some pictures once we get it all set up and everything. It's going to be great, but I did have a question. Um, that I was going to ask the three of us, or you two, I should say, um, what was your favorite or most memorable moment of the Beat Lab studio? The early mornings. The Waking early mornings. At, at 6 a.m. to get an international podcast done. Yep. yep. Th- those, actually, though, like all jokes aside, those days when you get up there and you, you do it on Tuesday mornings that early, yep. and then you like just work a, a regular day after that, you just feel so much better, so productive. But but it, but it throws you off for the rest of the week. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. when we did them like 6 o'clock our time in the morning, it's like on Wednesday it felt like it was still Tuesday. It was just the weirdest yep. thing, but I agree with we're, you. We were so routine Tuesday nights. Like yep. Even right when someone's trying to make plans, it's like, oh, well, Tuesday night, oh, can't do Tuesday night. Yep, yep. <laughs> Shoots, I know your favorite moment. Oh, you better say it. It was Horseman, the Mellowcorn. Yes, the Mellowcorn episode. Trina Magoon, I was voluntold. <laughs> To talk about the geoholics. <laughs> that one got a little off the rails. A lot oh, off man. the rails. Go but back thanks. and listen to it. The Daryl Horseman, Corey Dropkin episode. An undisclosed, an undisclosed member of the podcast slept on my couch that night. <laughs> I'm going to say that I've never slept at Jake's house. His initials are double D. Yeah, and that gives it away. <laughs> he watched Chasing Bubbles and cried like a baby. Oh, Went right to bed. So awesome. All right, so let's move on here before I completely embarrass myself. Uh, we are also live on on Clubhouse right now, so we appreciate those geoholics that have joined us on that platform as well. We've got a few people that we need to recognize. Jacob, I may butcher this, hopefully not, Rougeau is our latest patron. You can find us on Patreon by searching for the geoholics, so we thank Jacob for that. Dr. Tony Nettleman and Nettleman Land Consultants, along with Michael Dix and Trimble Geospatial, thank those guys as well for becoming friends of the program. So we love all of our supporters and could not do this without them, of course, especially this new space. This is absolutely fantastic. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you'd like to find out more. And be sure to mention that you're a geoholic when doing business with any of our friends of the program, because you will definitely get invited into the VIP suite. What do you think about that? I want to be in the VIP suite. Let's let's move from the VIP suite <laughs> to uh, the, that opening number. What do you got, PJ? 
All right, guys, so what you heard there was the Sex Pistols problem. So the Sex Pistols are a punk rock band that formed in London in 1975. They were responsible for initiating the punk movement in the United Kingdom and inspiring many later punk and alternative rock musicians. The Sex Pistols have been recognized as an influence on various genres that include grunge, indie, thrash metal, and hip-hop. In 2004, Rolling Stones placed them number 58 on its list of 100 greatest artists of all time. And on February 24, 2006, the Sex Pistols were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they refused to attend the ceremony, calling the museum, quote, a piss stain. <laughs> Solid. Classic Johnny Rotten right there, right? <laughs> so I do, believe it or not, I Here do have comes a, the Sex Pistols story. I have a Sex Pistols story, okay? Unfortunately, I never saw them live, okay? I'm a huge Sex Pistols fan, but I never saw them live. But what I did to pay homage to them is this. When I was in college, living in the fraternity house, right? I had a lizard, a Savannah monitor, probably about two feet long, right? And I named it Sid Vicious, of course. Yeah. Why not? Yep, you like that. So uh, real quick, I got to tell you how Sid Vicious met his end. I uh, <laughs> I put, I, I had, I, I, he was in a tank, right? And of course you have the electric hot rock in there, right? So I had, I put him outside on the patio of the, of the fraternity house and it wasn't covered, unfortunately. And happened, I left, happened to rain, the hot rocks plugged in, rain gets in the freaking in the, in the tank. Sid gets freaking electrocuted and dies. <laughs> he freaking died. I couldn't believe this thing's like two feet long. That's a big lizard, yeah. Oh, no, he was huge. So what I did, we, had, we were having a party at the fraternity house that night. Funeral. And no, one better. <laughs> this is so awesome. <laughs> so the thing is, when he died, he was like stiff as a board, right? And his tail was like curved, had a hook to it. So I literally hung him from the chandelier. <laughs> oh my goodness. In the, in the entrance of the fraternity house for the party that night. This lizard was hanging. <laughs> it was awesome. He was the honorary <laughs> member that night. <laughs> oh, it's classic. Absolutely classic. All right. Um, so oh, shoot, man. you got to follow that. Shoot us. Uh, I got or, nothing on this one. Well, no, tell us a little bit about this week's featured friend of the program being safety apparel go for it man safety apparel matthew stansberry and safety apparel are reinventing safety apparel with the highest quality materials and most functional and versatile vest the safety industry has ever seen i've seen them in person they're fantastic safety apparel offers ansi csa compliant high visibility survey and construction vests and reflective traffic control gloves hats stickers and patches they can also provide you with your company logo and other designs on vest shirts jackets etc with many application inc- options, including but not limited to silkscreen, sublimation, patches, embroidery, and heat transferred images, they can provide your company with the clothing and art you need to look sharp and professional. For more information on them, send them an email at info at safetyapparel.us with your safety needs, and they'll do their best to get you headed in the right direction. Matthew Stansberry, good guy, that guy. That's a good guy, though. Glad to hear he's a good guy. Indeed, indeed. All right, we have a new sponsor for the weekly pod word. Get this. We have the Trimble Geospatial Weekly Pod Word. This week's pod word is, are you ready? Got your pencils ready. All right. Function. Okay, function. Got it? So, listen closely. This is the last pod word for March. So, what does all this mean? What do you do now? Simple. Send us an email at info at the with all five March pod words before 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, Tuesday, April 6th, which is next Tuesday, to be eligible for this month's listener prize, which coincidentally is a safety apparel safety pack. There we go. All right. Hopefully everybody got that. Hopefully everybody got that. And, you know, and hope- Jake, what was the word? Function. All right. Function. <laughs> Function. All right. Perfect. All right. Let's uh, let's catch up with the boys a bit. PJ, what's up, buddy? 
How's it going, guys? Um, yep, so, I mean, biggest thing here is the new studio. It's awesome. Fantastic. Not only new studio, but just got the keys to our new place, too. So a lot of change going on this week, but I love it. Keeps me going. Um, I was in San Diego this past week, too. Had a pretty sweet thing I had no happen. idea you were going to San Diego, and all of a sudden you freaking send this amazing picture of you behind the <laughs> helm of a sailboat. Yeah. yeah, so we've been taking some day trips out there just because the airfare has been so low. But we've got a pretty cool story. We were out and just, like, maybe... I don't know, maybe 450 yards out uh, San Diego in the ocean from like Hotel Del, right? Like yep. that iconic hotel. Yep. And um, we were just like sailing. It's super, super windy. And all of a sudden my dad jumps up from the front. I'm on the wheel. He's like, watch out, watch out. And this calf gray whale is on the top of the water and we're headed right for it. And this is no more like I couldn't see it at the time, but it was pretty close to us. So we sail right over this thing. He dives underneath. We thought he's going to hit the boat. So we're all like hey, no underneath and he says, uh, tail fin comes up and slaps the side of the boat. <laughs> so this thing was probably 15, 20 foot. He was just giving you a high five. Yeah, a little buddy. love tap. Yeah. Holy crap, yeah. man. He was welcoming you to the but, sailing community. But pretty cool to not only see a whale, but have it touch the boat. But we were like braced down because like it's going to hit the stuff underneath, right? The keel yep. and the rudder. And yep. I would imagine hitting something like that, a big what, fit 20, 15, 20 foot whale would stop you dead in your tracks. Yeah. But so uh, basically you had a Moby Dick encounter. Moby Jake. Moby Jake and Connor. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, good weekend. A lot of change happening That's and awesome, loving it. So, Ryan. Super cool. I, again, like you just said, the new studio. I know we're going to beat this to death, but I cannot imagine what a year and a half ago that mm. we were. Yeah. In we were in another one. little studio. Yeah. yeah. Studio one and just messing around with some equipment. How we've upgraded over this time. And we can't <laughs> do it without the friends of the program. I know yeah. we, we thank them a lot, but yeah, we couldn't have done it without them. Uh, as for my weekend slash yesterday, finished off the golf league. So another year down on that. Played well with my three clubs. Uh, so, you know, that game's coming around slow and steady. What would you say if you played better than well? What would the word be? Would it be weller? Really well. Wellest. <laughs> Really? I played my wellest <laughs> golf today. I, I, I played really well. <laughs> my goodest? No, best. Oh, oh there you go. That, that makes too much sense. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh my wellness. I have to. I have to. You know, <laughs> do my wife proud here. <laughs> I know. I know. You're struggling. You're struggling. <laughs> you put me on the spot. <laughs> How was your weekend? Um, gosh, good weekend and everything. I'm not going to take a ton of time here because I've talked way too much already and we got a lot to get to. So uh, the one thing I do want to mention is I, and Jake, you'll get a kick out of this. You probably read the same article, but uh, I, I, I read an article that new observations from NASA have determined that the asteroid Apophis, which was thought to pose a risk to impacting Earth in 2068, this is the good news, actually won't come close to hitting us for at least a century. Good. So we'll be dead and gone before Apophis yep, like, ends the world. So <laughs> thank goodness for that. Whew, dodged a bullet there, boys. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, coincidentally, we uh, we are now, now is the time for the Safety Apparel Safety Share. <laughs> safety Apparel, oh my gosh. Stansberry. You're getting his money's worth. <laughs> Absolutely. So give us the Safety Apparel Safety Share there, Shoots. Have you guys ever heard of the Globally Harmonized System, GHS? I have not. Um, is that some sort of new progressive hard rock music of some sort? Uh, that would be for our guest later. He'll yeah. tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah. They divide hazards simply into two categories, physical hazards and health hazards. They have nine pictograms or symbols under the GHS system, which signal specific chemical hazards. So those nine are your health hazard, flame, exclamation mark, gas cylinder, corrosion, exploding bomb, Flame over circle, environment, and skull and crossbones. And they have to be a diamond-shaped sign. Mm, these are like on the back of trucks, huh? Yes. Yes. So mm. it's all your hazardous materials. Interesting. Um, 
And they were developed because of people dying. So development of the symbols was guided by the need to communicate hazards visually to avoid confusion over language and translation. So you know if it's a skull and crossbones, what, it's corrosive. It's so you know if you open up the back of this truck, you know what you're getting into. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, when you see those little diamonds on the back of the truck, that's a whole system that they've developed out of this. That I had no idea Or about. just stay away from it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. If you see any yellow diamonds with a black, any... Of those things that I just mentioned, stay away. Yeah, yeah. Unless you know, unless you know what you're doing. Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> that was a good one. Solid right there. All right. I do like paying attention to those when I'm driving by, though, looking at the back of the trucks to see yeah. if I can know like what is it. It's what, usually what, just the flame one. I'm surprised. There's got to be an app where you can like scan those things and it tells you what decodes it, is. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but also I think it's if not, we're gonna freaking make a million off of it. <laughs> <laughs> just QR like that. Instead of the symbols, now it's QR code. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's get on with this. Um, we've got three guests with us this evening. We have Farah, Zach, and Adam, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So what we're going to do here, self-introductions, just give us your name, your surveying, you know, maybe your current current job and role, and as an icebreaker, what would you spend your day doing if money was no object? So uh, Farah, you are up first. Well, hi, everybody. It's really exciting to be here with you guys tonight. I'm looking forward to the conversation. My name is Farah Echeverry. I am local here to Arizona. We live um, near Sedona, and I am a co-owner with my dad. Our company is Echeverry Land Surveying. He's been around doing this for over 30 years now, and I joined the team uh, about six years ago. Uh, In answer to your icebreaker, if I could spend my entire day doing something and money wasn't an option, it's kind of a nerdy one, but I would spend my whole day in Barnes and Noble reading and buying books and drinking lots of coffee wow. without my kids interrupting me. There so. <laughs> you go. There you go. I like it. That's a lot of energy right there. Zach, you got to follow that up. Tell us about you. Oh, man. So, yeah, uh, Zach Hogan. Uh, I've been surveying for uh, going on about three years. Um, just recently switched to an, uh, another company, which I'm excited about the opportunity. And uh, You can mention them. Uh, yes. That's Roundtree. <laughs> Uh, um, free plug. Don't get used to it. Yep. Uh, yeah. I've uh, been there just a couple of days. So learning the new equipment and, uh, nice. their procedures have been great. Um, yeah. Uh, father of four kids and been married about 10 years, just a little over 10 years. Congrats. I think. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Big accomplishment. You made it. I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If I could spend my day doing something, it would definitely be with my wife. Nice. Um, uh, I don't know. She's she's funny because she likes to go and uh, look at model homes. Nice. Even if we're not buying, sure. she's like, "Oh, let's yep. get, you look. get so ideas, you design get I- ideas." Yeah, and uh-huh. here, so that's okay. I, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but yeah. um, I'm I'm able to build things. Good to know. So she finds really cool projects. Yeah, and she says, "Do this project." So <laughs> I, awesome. I love that. How are you? Are you? How are you at hanging? Uh, hanging pictures? Are you good at that? Oh man, yeah. if you have any, we got PKs, a job for you. you have any PKs laying around? You. I can totally hook you up. So he had a way better answer uh, than I would have. Yeah. Oh, anything awesome. with my wife? That was like the anything. furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> I mean, it could be just like sitting on the couch watching Yellowstone or something. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, but it could be the couch of your choice because money's no object. Oh man. Yeah. It'd be like a love yeah. couch. It could be the featheriest most comfortable couch you could probably ever goose. imagine. Probably goose. It would goose. have to be something. <laughs> Anti-gravity couch or something. I, love I don't it. know. <laughs> All right, Adam, you got big, big, big shoes to fill here after those two. Uh, tell us about you. Yeah, guys, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Adam Armoleco. 
and I'm from El Paso, Texas. I yeah, my my last name is is a tongue twister, but uh, I I'm from El Paso, Texas, born and raised. Um, I work for I currently work for a serving company called uh, Frank Spencer and Associates. I actually just started working there. I used to work at a uh, engineering firm, civil engineering firm. And, um, you know, once I got into the geomatics program, I actually, you know, made the transition from civil to, uh, you know, serving. So I wanted to get my experience there. Um, I guess the icebreaker would be, um, you know, I am from Texas, so I like to be outdoors, you know, barbecuing every Sunday, uh, you know, some bonfires on day to nights. Nice. So definitely that's what I like doing. Nice, awesome. nice. Are you uh, being from Texas? So does that make you a Cowboys fan or a Houston Texans fan? I'm a Cowboys fan, man. I'm born and raised, but mm-hmm. geez, every, every year we say, you know, this is our year, but I can't. I, I'm not one of those. So, oh, man. hey, the Cowboys they they had a pretty dominant run for uh, for a number of years. Although you were probably too young to understand or appreciate that. That was in the '90s. Was it the '90s? Yeah, <clears throat> definitely oh, too young. See, man, you're getting you. old. Freaking old, man. I'm telling you. All right, so let's get on with this. So our, our topic for this episode is, I titled it, The Concerns of Younger Surveyors. So I want everybody to keep in mind, you know, we're, we're going to touch on quite a few topics here. We're not going to solve all the industry's problems, but the goal of this episode is to just kind of shed some light on some of the relevant concerns. So this is going to be really interesting. <clears throat> Before we get going, I do want to thank a few people. I... I, again, I posted something on the field crew Facebook page, just asking for people to chime in and, you know, provide some input on this. So the questions or the topics we're going to touch on came from a number of sources, of course, our three guests, but I want to mention these folks by name because I do appreciate them taking the time to answer. So I want to be sure to thank Andrew Stark, Jeremy Witherington, Luke Woodyard, Jacob Fanton, Dwayne Booth, Diana Collins, Tyler LaPointe, and Brandon Muthart. And these guys and gals were uh, all people that responded to the to the field crew post that I did. So I, I'm not a huge fan of that, that, that Facebook page <clears throat> for the most part, but I will tell you this, the few times I have posted on there asking for input, I got some amazing content. So kudos to everybody that responded. So I appreciate that. So let's go around the horn here, Farah. I mean, I think this answer is probably pretty obvious, but you know, when, how, and when did you get introduced to serving? And I guess when did you, when did you realize that it was something that you were going to make a career out of? Good question. So I think a lot of young surveyors find it uh, because of a generational thing. So for me, it was my dad and I had no idea what he really did from the time that I was little till probably 14, aside from he could lay out soccer fields and stripe them and he made maps. So <laughs> my introductions to surveying were pretty minimal. Even as a kid, he worked all the time and I used to actually hate it because he would make me carry the five gallon bucket out to the soccer fields while he laid them all out. So <laughs> I thought his job kind of sucked until I got a little older. <laughs> sure. um, After I had my first son, I had him pretty young and I wanted to be able to stay home, but I knew that I also needed to work. And so I was like, Hey dad, what do you think about me coming with you? Just, you know, one or two days a week. And shortly after that, I just fell in love. I really loved learning how to draft and I really loved being out in the field and seeing all the new stuff and traveling. We travel quite a bit. So I was uh, I was sold hook, line, and sinker probably after about six months or so of working with 
with my dad and it's just been like that ever since. And, and even more so now, obviously I'm, I'm here all the time. I don't think he'd get anything done without me. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, make sure he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's, that's a great story. And I think there's a lot of people that get into the profession that way, you know, it's, it's yeah. part of the family and, uh, yeah, and, uh, that's awesome. Uh, okay. Zach, how about you? Tell us uh, how you got introduced to serving. Yeah, so I, I was a former educator, much like there your wife. Go. Yeah, I taught second grade. And, um, awesome. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I loved it. I'm not allowed to say a lot. No, you're good. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, you're good there. You can't okay. say don't replace good or don't replace well with good. I yeah, enjoyed, don't, don't I enjoyed it well. Those. Don't misuse those no, two okay. words. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Everything else is fair game. Got it. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, teaching was great. Uh, I loved the students, loved, uh, had some really supportive parents, but um, mentally, and uh, it was mentally, I just couldn't, yep. I couldn't do it. Sure. Um, yeah. So I was, uh, kind of took that summer and was like, okay, you know, I had a, a neighbor that was a lineman. He was like, dude, you should go put your names on the, put your name on the books. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was going down there all summer, putting my name on the books every month and nothing, I wasn't getting any calls. So mm. I was like, all right. Uh, what's plan B? So my sure. parents have an HVAC company down in Tucson, so I wouldn't work with them. And then, um, we went on a vacation, uh, kind of halfway through that summer. And a buddy of mine, his name is Jeremy Dalmasio with D2 surveying. Gotcha. Don't get used to it. There you go. Um, <laughs> well done. Great, great group of guys <laughs> down there. Uh, I want them to know that I love them very dearly. Um, they, uh, Jeremy reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, I hear you're looking for a job. Would you like to come mm -hmm. try surveying? And I was like, dude, tell me when to be there. So, uh, we were coming home from California. He's like, come over tonight, get some paperwork going and be at the office at six tomorrow. So, nice. uh, that's kind of how I broke into it. Uh, it just cool. kind of was like, you know, like a lot of people, like you said, they yep. just kind of fall into it. It's yep. a friend of a friend or a family member that kind of gets <laughs> you into it. And, uh, I, man, I gravitated towards the, the boundary side really quickly and I love it. Yep. I, I just... I, I don't know. So problem awesome. solving, problem yeah, solving. And you get to see some yeah. really cool stuff. Like, you know, I remember I was, we were serving in globe and uh, I saw my first stone. And I was just like, Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah, got yeah, like yeah. a, like a squealy girl moment. Like it was yeah. so cool. Like, yeah. And so, you know, I can now, relate. Yeah. <laughs> so learning the history of that stuff and, you know, kind of what these guys did coming through and serving and it's like, man, how did they do this back yeah. in the day? It's, it's insane. It is insane. No doubt about it. So, so you've been out three years, you said? Yeah. This is going on my third year. Awesome. Yep. Um, so yeah, kind of just probably like most people, um, keep up with the dude on the, on the GPS and, yeah. or, or on the gun and, uh, yeah, learn something new every yeah, day. Be the pack mule. Yeah. 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 Yep. All right. Well, we, we got a lot more to get into. Adam, um, tell us about how you got introduced to serving. Definitely. So I actually went to school for um, for computer aid design, and I got my associates in that here in El Paso, Texas. And uh, I actually applied to that civil engineering firm that I mentioned earlier. Um, I, I was there for about a year, um, and. You know, it didn't really catch my eye at first. I was a little uneasy, you know, um, getting there. You know, I thought, you know, my my CAD degree would, would carry me a little while. But um, I found out that it wasn't enough, you know, to kind of uh, separate me from the rest from the rest of, you know, the, the pack. So I actually um, started to ask around and, uh, you know, ask a couple of PEs what they thought. You know, I was, I was in between of going into civil engineering and, uh, you know, surveying or geomatics. Um, so I was in between. Um, surprisingly enough, a lot of PEs um, recommended geomatics or surveying, you know, hmm. 
they said, you know what? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. They're like, you know what? I think you should look into it. So I did. I did a lot of research. I mean, from programs to job growth to pay. I mean, everything you can imagine, licensure, um, you know, because ultimately I was going to invest in this. Right. So I wanted to make sure this was the right decision. So um, I ended up, you know, um, liking serving. I did a lot of research on it. So um, I fell in love with it, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, I actually enrolled in school. So, uh, you know, and I guess we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But that's how I actually got introduced to surveying. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Good stuff. Um, so one of the biggest problems we face as a profession and it's no secret is just the lack of younger folks getting into the profession. So Farah, in your case, you know, not, not necessarily unique and unlike a lot of people, you know, you got into the profession as a result of your father, of course, um, you know, Zach and Adam, you know, they're probably more of the stereotypical, type that have kind of fallen into it a little bit later stage of life. That's probably the majority of surveyors. How yep. do we, and uh, you know, we're going to, everybody's going to get a chance to answer this. So how do we, how do you know, what are some ideas you guys might have as far as, you know, getting some younger people involved in the profession? <clears throat> Excuse me. I know like, of course, you know, get kids into survey, huge fan, huge supporter of that effort. And it's great for the grade school kids, mm-hmm. but what do we do next? You know, how do we keep that momentum going for the middle schoolers to the high schoolers and so on and so forth? Farrow, talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I feel like it's kind of like beating a dead horse. <laughs> Agreed. It's it's pretty tough to come up with creative and unique and effective ways to reach people with something that you really can't express in a classroom setting, the exciting parts of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 11, 12, 13-year-olds through high school, uh, they don't want to sit and listen to somebody tell them how much math they're going to need to learn or how many years of college they have to go through. Um, I find personally, at least in my own experience with the people that I talk to, that most surveyors that I know, <laughs> they they got into it uh, because they didn't, they already had families, they already had other things going on in life, and they didn't want to go back to college, but they still wanted to find something fulfilling to do with their life um, that they could make a great living at and enjoy being at work. So uh, as far as reaching young people, I really think um, the Boy Scouts program has historically been good because it gets kids outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think anything that gets gets kids outside um, in the real world with the equipment, aside from you know sitting in a classroom trying to explain what you do is a really good thing. Um, aside from that, I, to be honest, I just don't have a lot of good advice on this particular subject it's just so hard if you don't have a parent or somebody really close to you who's who's good at what they do in surveying and who likes it um you won't you just won't find out about it and there has to be enough people that have been doing it long enough that are willing to even go and talk to the kids about it and we're even having a hard time finding seasoned professionals that are willing to go and take the time um to try and talk to young people so it's it's a struggle for sure yeah, no question. You brought some really good points there. So I, I keep going back to the story when uh, Big Shoots and I we we did a land surveying presentation at the uh, at the high school. Yep. How many kids? Six hundred total, was it? Yeah. I mean, multiple classes, yeah, of course. It was but it was like six hundred, six or seven hundred. So in every yeah. single every single group that came through, we said, you know, raise your hand if you know what a land surveyor does, right? Of, and you you answered the question of the of the six hundred people shoots. How many people raised their hand? One. 
<laughs> that's no it was joke. The, it was the one girl that, that was in. That is so oh. sad. That is no joke. She was in the 4-H club. She was in the 4-H club. And that yep. was how she knew. That breaks even, my heart. Yeah. Absolutely right. And then and then we administered the Trigstar test and that. Yep. That didn't go that, well That either. was also depressing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we, got, we got some serious yeah. issues to deal with there. So, Zach, you got any uh, You got any thoughts about this? I mean, how do we make landscaping more appealing to the uh, the younger younger generations, I guess? Um. I don't know. I think it, it definitely takes a, a special type of person. So um, for myself, I love puzzles. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I feel very fulfilled with uh, physical labor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go out and do blue tops, you get crushed. But, you, you know, you're done. You can look at this grid of stuff you've laid out. And it's like, yeah, yep. I did that. Um, so mm-hmm. I think you, you need a special type of, of student um, or a younger person that, that enjoys to do um you know, to go on adventures every day. If you if you look at uh, at least from the boundary side, um, you look at it as like uh, treasure hunting in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going totally. out and finding some really cool stuff. Yep. Um, rebars that were set by some guy back in the the 80s, and then you get further back and you look at GLO stuff, and it's like, oh man, Nineteen, yeah. or the 1880s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have you have generations of, and then um, you know, if you're a history buff, that that really plays into that stuff as well. So, yep. um, mm-hmm. I think I think it takes. Um, it takes people that are excited about the trade and the profession and um, are willing to express that and, and show them how cool this can really be. Like, yeah, work is work. You know, there's the daily grind. You got to get up at four. You got to get to the job site by mm-hmm. sunrise. You got to set your equipment up and you've got the demands of what the office wants and what the contractor wants. And then sometimes that doesn't jive. So there's some balance with that. Sure. Um, and then you got home life. So, um, but yeah, I think it just takes uh putting all that aside, you know, you, you walk away at the end of the day and you, sometimes you feel like you've accomplished something. So mm-hmm. I think you nailed a lot of really good points there. One of the things you said that I, I absolutely love is it's a different adventure every day. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No question. That's a I great way it. to look at it. I love that. Uh, yeah. Adam, what, what can you add to that? I think in my opinion, I think what would have helped me, um, you know, in, in my case, um, in high school, I think, because right coming out of high school, I didn't know what I was going to do with, with you mm-hmm. know, with my career, what I was going to do. So I, 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 I had a hard time. So that's, I went into the CAD program because it was, um, you know, I, I could do many different things with CAD. So, um, but I think, you know, reaching, you know, young, younger people through high schools, you know, I think that's a, that's a really good age to, yeah. to go and recruit in that, in that way. Mm-hmm. Cause if that, if that would have been, you know, presented to me, I would have definitely took an opportunity uh, to join a, a serving firm. Definitely. And I think the second one, the major second one that I think um, is social media. Um, you know, I, cause I did a lot of research before I went into serving. There's not a lot of articles, you know, um, or, or even social media regarding, um, you know, a serving, you know, if you compare it to, to civil engineering, it's quite the opposite. I mean, there's tons of articles, tons of tons of research. I mean, there's tons of information. Now, surveying is really not, you know, the first thing that I typed when I was putting surveying, it was nothing regulated to, to actual surveying, to land surveying. Oh. Um, so definitely, I think uh, social media reaching that younger audience, right? Um, so I think what you guys are doing is great. I, um, I, I actually listen to you guys on a daily basis, so I, I enjoy your, your program. So I think you guys are heading in the right direction. Well, yeah, feel, no, I, that feels good on the shoulders right there. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, a little tummy <laughs> rub. I like that. <laughs> well, you did mention, uh, Farrah mentioned a good thing of mentors, and I know you mm-hmm. beat the drum on that. And everybody's so busy because there is a lack of surveyors. Mm-hmm. To yeah. where, you know, everybody's so busy with their actual 
job that it's tough to to give that time to the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true, very true. And on, on that note, you know, and this is one we could probably talk about a long time, but we just really kind of want to touch on it. You know, a lot of the people, almost most of the people that responded on uh, on the Field Crew Facebook page, all talked about the you know the. The, this post-secondary education requirement and how that is affecting yeah. the profession. You know, there's states that require a four-year degree. There's states that require a two-year degree. There's states like Arizona that don't require a post-secondary education degree. So I have, I don't know what the solution is. I have my opinions on this. You know, I personally think it should be a combination of the two. I, don't, I like the idea of a two-year d- degree being required and X amount of years of experience. Um, but I'm curious to get your guys' opinion on how, you know, the, the post-secondary education requirement is affecting the profession. So actually, we'll go re- backwards around the horn. So Adam, I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, definitely. So this is something I really struggled with before making a decision, um, in, you know, to, to pursue the geomatics program at NMSU. So I was, like I said, I mentioned I was in between surveying and civil engineering. Um, and, uh, you know, civil engineers, you know, at least where I worked, they're really re- well respected. Um, you know, they earn the title. You know, the PE exam is extremely hard. Um, and, you know, I, look, I started looking into surveying and I found out, at least here in Texas, um, New Mexico, I think, is still standing strong in this aspect. But Texas actually had a four-year program. Um, you know, and you also needed um, about two to three years experience, if I'm mistaken, to get your license, which is very similar to your professional engineer. Um, now, you know, I, I think, you know, a professional, you know, engineer should be held uh, to the same standard as a professional surveyor. You know, they're both licensed individuals that are protecting the public. Um, so in that aspect, I think they should be equal. Um, that, that this is just my opinion, right? I, I do believe, you know, um, ex, you know, hands-on um, is extremely important. But I think, you know, now that I'm starting this, you know, I, I made the transition from civil to serving. I just couldn't imagine myself doing this without a bachelor's degree. Um, because again, uh, I think the bachelor's teaches you the concept, you know, the science behind it. And it's always good to have that that uh, that hands-on, you know. And I think, you know, having that bachelor's degree makes the profession that more valuable, um, in my opinion, right? Because it's not as easy to get an uh, a RPLS degree or a P, uh, you know professional land surveying degree. Um, I mean, uh, license. Um, so I think that, that makes the profession a lot more valuable. Um, you know, just like it is, you know, in a you know in a professional engineer. You know, I, I don't think I'll ever see. Uh, and I think you had mentioned in Arizona, it's a little bit different, but here in Texas to become a professional engineer, you need a four year degree plus your uh, experience. So I think definitely that should be held to the same standard for a professional surveyor. Yep. And I mean, I definitely see that side of the, the argument per se, you know, I mean, if we want to be held in the same regard as architects and engineers, you know, maybe, maybe that's right. Maybe we should be required to have a bachelor's degree. Um, yeah, that's a great perspective. Zach, what do you think about this? Yeah, yeah, I'm actually at this stage um, in my career where I'm, I'm starting to, um, on, on the recommendation of a few people, um, of looking into education, hard education. You know, you can, you know, there's book smarts and then there's field smarts. Um, sometimes you, you learn things the hard way, you know, and maybe that would be in the field necessary, mm-hmm. or, you know. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's tough because for me, you know, 
my my big thing, like I, I've kind of mentioned to you, Kent, um, coming into this game a little bit later, um, you know, I have a family now. Maybe if I would have figured this out right out of high school, you know, I could have gone to school, you know, hit that four-year degree or, or a two-year degree or something and uh, really launched my career in a better direction. Uh, but now I, I feel like I'm kind of playing catch-up. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm learning things and I'm trying to learn things as quickly as I can, but um, on the recommendation and uh, in, even in like my work reviews, you know, the guys were like, hey, you know, some of this stuff just takes time and it's on purpose. Yep. Because if you learn things really quickly, you're going to miss some foundational steps. And uh, sometimes, you you know, you got to get done uh, stuff done in the field quick and dirty. You just got to do it. And this is just how we do it. We got to run and get it done. And then there's other times where you have the slower days, like maybe a rainy day, and uh, it's like, oh, okay, hey, here's how we do research. And you're able to get that, like, hands-on, like, here's how, almost like a classroom setting. Um, and, yeah, and I think there's so many different options out there now with uh, with online schooling and with uh, everything with COVID. Uh, yeah. Everything's been restructured. So I think it's definitely more attainable. It's just putting your efforts and your, your time towards those things. So um, that's that's what I'm struggling with right now. So with uh, yeah. going out and making that money and then also, uh, you know, if I want to get really better at this craft, I yep. have to put aside some time to get better. Yeah. And then looking, you know, uh, on, again, on, on some recommendations, um, you know, if you look 10 years down the road, it's like, Hey, what was, what was two more years of schooling or what was three years of schooling mm-hmm. or, or four or however, however right. long it would take you to get it done. Um, and you're looking at, you know, if it's purely financial, you're looking at that, that paycheck and or, or what you could be making and it's like man you know if you would just put that time in mm-hmm. you could really set yourself up so uh, that's that's where I am and I know that's probably not everybody and everybody's in a different situation yeah. no doubt so Zach let me ask you how old are you I'm 35 35 three years in mm-hmm. still unbelievably young in the profession yes which is a little bit concerning of course um but and i like you know zach reached out to me i think it was via facebook actually isn't that yeah. how we originally connected yes and asking if i would be interested in mentoring him so first of all i was blown From, away by that yeah. you know i mean humbled so many different emotions as a result of that and you know Zach and I went out, had a couple beers, you know, got to know each other a little bit and just see if it was going to be a good fit. Cause not all mentoring men, mentor, men, mentee relationships are going to work. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta have, you gotta have a connection and we definitely connected. So I look forward to, you know, helping you along the way. And, you yeah. know, it's obvious that, you know, it's, you're passionate about this. So yeah. that's awesome. But, um, not, not to get all weepy eyed there, but there were some tears. So I saw. <laughs> I fist bumped you under the table. And, and the thing is, you know, you talked about you know the, the hands on experience and the hands on experience. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat the mentoring drum, but the hands on experience is only as good and only as valuable as the mentor. You know that is that is helping you along the way. Yeah. You know, if you don't have that seasoned mentor that is willing to put the time in, you know, the hands on experience isn't and near as valuable. Yeah. You know? and can I, can I make one suggestion? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you are working with somebody that knows conventional style of surveying, mm-hmm. please listen to them. Yep. These guys know a lot and they really do want to share. Um, I feel like for myself, I really made a good, great connection with the guy at, at my last company. And, uh, the dude knows a, a ton. Yeah. And I feel like whenever I showed interest and I was willing to listen and, you know, let him, you know, get some of his rage out because, you know, he doesn't like the data collector or something's not doing what he wants it to do, but he knows what to do. Yep. Um, and you hear them and you listen to them, man, you, you can just be trainable and they will help you yep. along the way. So. Yep. You nailed it right there. Uh, Farrah, what do you have to add to this? 
Oh, whole bunch, but um, good Go points made on, on all ends. <laughs> and uh, Zach, great for you for taking the initiative and reaching out to somebody that um, you felt like you could trust and that would be um, a good hand in, in helping you on your journey. Um, I like a comment that you just made, and it reminded me of uh, one of my first instances going out and doing some construction staking. And I, I had maybe only been on a couple of construction jobs. This was years and years ago. And I remember it's a little different because it's my dad, but the principle is the same, I think, um, of him, you know, out there laying it all out. And I'm just carrying all the stuff. <clears throat> and I had been on a couple of jobs. And so I was kind of getting tired of just carrying this stuff. And finally, I said to him, can I just do that? I want. I wanted to find where the point needed to go. I wanted to stake it out. I wanted to pound the hub. I wanted to store the, store the data. And uh, when we got back to the office, he told me, you know, he's taken out plenty of people to try and find a good hand or somebody that wants to learn. And he says, he told me, nobody has ever just said, let me do it. You know, they sit back and they watch and they observe, but they, uh, so many people get nervous or too shy to actually, you know, have a hand at it. And if you don't have a good balance of being the mule, but also getting to have that hands-on experience, learning something a little bit more difficult, um, then you kind of tap out before you really understand how fun it is or, you know, the different sides of it. So that's, that's important. I think that there is definitely a place for um, higher education, but of course, probably out of everybody on the panel, I am the most pro mentor route. Um, if it were up to me, uh, there would be no for your requirement. Um, a suggestion of it is fantastic. If people want to do that, that's great. And I'm sure that it adds tons of value um, to the more analytical, mathematical side of what we do. Um, but for so many people that I know, and of course, I speak for myself personally and even for my dad, um, just getting out there and doing it and learning from somebody who has already been there, done that, is licensed um, and knows almost everything that there is to know, knows the conventional methods. Um, there's really nothing that can replace that. A classroom setting can't replace that. So for me, when I talk to people and I ask them, well, what is, what is your, you know, your plan, your desire? Um, do you have time to go and sit in a classroom or, you know, work all day and take online courses? Is it worth it to you to go that route and then have to invest, you know, another two, three, four years um, working under a surveyor? Or is it almost more worth it to move to a state that doesn't require that and you find somebody amazing and you work under them for four years and you learn what you need to learn and you read all the books on your own and you ask all the questions and then you go and you pass your exam and you have all of that knowledge that you needed, just like all the other surveyors do. Um, so for me, uh, I just think that's the most effective route. And I think that having imposing a four-year degree is what's part of what's killing the young people from coming in. Um, unlike engineering, surveying is so much outside, so much exploration, just like all of you guys have said. And so we like to capitalize on that part. Uh, and it's a bit of a, a block when you then tell somebody that they have to spend the next four years uh, at a college getting a degree in something that then they're going to have to go back out into the real world and they really don't know much of what they're actually going to be doing um, on the day-to-day. -day. So I can't, I can't say from experience that when we were in the high school and they were talking with the kids and 
saying that you didn't necessarily have to go to college because Arizona, mm-hmm. you know, there's no college requirement. Yeah. That lit up a few eyes. Yeah, it, it did. did. Yeah, and, it does. And, and when you bring up starting salary for a greenhorn, mm-hmm. as Phil mm-hmm. has put it, yeah, uh, yeah it, it definitely got their interest peaked a little bit for some of those kids that just didn't want to it do does. a four-year track. Yep, no Well, question. you know, it's, it's funny, too, because uh, when you look at – people will get into debates – People try to debate me all the time about this on social media. So it's a blessing and a curse, whether or not surveying is a profession or a trade. And I always, you know, beg for just a common ground. Can't it be both? Um, And it's like, oh, you're not professional if you don't have a four-year degree. And I just think that's the wrong way of looking at it, only because I'm surrounded by people who here in Arizona have been surveying for, Mm -hmm. you know, so much of their lives and they don't have the letters behind their name or the bachelor's degree hanging up on the wall in the office. And yet I learn more from these people, not that the degree is bad. I'm not saying that at all, but when you look across the rest of the trades, plumbing, being an electrician, all of these things, you, we, we're on a huge decline. People aren't doing these things because we've pressed college, 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 and kids are graduating with massive amounts of debt and they can't find a job. So part of the appeal of the trades is to say, listen, you don't have to go that route. We have something better for you and you can finish it under somebody who knows what they're doing in a shorter amount of time and get right into the workplace, making good money, supporting your family, living out the dream. So, Well, I can't argue with that. (laughs) (laughs) There's no argument for me on that. And, you know, to take it one step further, um, Trent Keenan, you know, he, he, he's been doing this research and reaching out to the different, you know, boards of technical registration in the different states to just kind of get an idea or track the progress of the number of licenses of, you know, in, in those individ- different states. And, of course, it's, you know, in every single state, basically, it's on the decline. But yeah. one of the most alarming things he had, he, he told me, and I'm sure there's plenty of other stories like this, in the state of Kentucky, there is literally, like... I might get this wrong, but it's going to be close. Four licensed surveyors under the age of 35 in the state of Kentucky. It's terrible. I mean, what is going to happen? You know, I mean, my Man. goodness. What is going to happen? And the, I mean, obviously, I mean, I throw this out there all the time and, you know, people get sick of hearing it. But the average age of a licensed surveyor in the United States is like, I think it's like 59 years old now. Yeah. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And the funny thing is, I'm 53 and I still feel freaking young. You look young. Oh, there you go. You are young. You are young. I think young I have as heart. much gray in my beard as you do. Yeah, I was noticing that. And I'm that. only 35. So. <laughs> you know, the Kentucky thing is super interesting because really um, we, I have a, a an acquaintance that is in Kentucky or lived in Kentucky and had a heck of a time yeah. um, uh, in that whole area of the country, um, in Ohio especially. He, he was licensed in Kentucky and then moved to Ohio and he had a heck of a time getting licensed in Ohio. And it's just funny because... He was already licensed in another state, and yet mm. he had so much trouble. Yep. Uh, it's, yeah. I've heard that different states have different requirements they that, do. that make yeah. it quite difficult. I know yep. Indiana always gets yeah, a hard yep, time to Yeah, that was a tough one, yep, for sure. So there's two paths yeah. to consider. You can become licensed or not. Uh, mm-hmm. Both are needed, and they provide equal value. So as much as we're talking about licensure and the numbers declining, the the guys that are in the survey or guys or gals in the surveying profession that may not be licensed, again, provide equal value. Um, Sure. Would you guys agree? We'll start with Farah. Oh, yeah, of course. I absolutely agree. Um, I'm friends with tons of people who have made fantastic careers just out of being a party chief working under under somebody else's stamp. So totally agree with that. There's a place for both. 
How about you, Zach? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, easy, I, I easy think. Enough. Yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> there's 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 value on both sides. You know, I've I've had the privilege of working with guys that have their RLS, and I have, you know, like the gentleman I talked about earlier that was older. Um, I think at one point, I don't know if it does it ever expire. What's that? Like your LS. I don't uh, know. I mean, he's well, he was from a different state, so. I mean, it, it does expire. Okay. Yeah, like you can let it go dormant or whatever. So, yeah. so again, so yeah. he, you know, kind of like Ferris said, you know, you, you get experience and knowledge from these guys, or mm-hmm. you, you lean from their experiences, I should say. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I feel like I've gotten equal value, value from him with him, you know, showing me things in the field, and, you know, here's how you really get after it. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's kind of, it's both of them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it, for it, sure. Again, they're equal value yeah. just in their own ways. What about you, Adam? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think uh, both sides are very valuable, right? Um, you know, I have a I have a RPLS that I work with, and I love what he said. He's like, I treat everyone equally. If they're yeah. Rodman or yes. if they're CAD or if they're an RPLS, everyone gets treated the same way, which I totally respect that, right? Just because you have a stamp doesn't mean – you're better than anybody else just because you have a, you know, a, a license, you know, that doesn't mean anything. If you have a, if you have a bachelor's degree, I don't think that that puts you above anybody else because I mean, I've seen, you know, the crews work and it's, it's hard work, man. It's, it's not easy. Um, definitely. So definitely, I definitely, you know, respect, you know, the people that are out there, you know, providing the, that data to us. Um, so definitely, I think, um, you know, that, that's a beautiful thing about serving. You can go both ways. You can do field work um, if you want to pursue that, or you can go with licensure. Um, but definitely, definitely, I think both are very valuable. Yep, no question. I mean, I, I say it all the time. I mean, money's made on the field, to be honest with you. I mean, if, if those guys aren't, first of all, if they're not prepared properly, um, you know, that's that's not a good way to, to get going on any project. But, um you know, you, it is so important to take the time to educate and mentor the guys and gals working in the field um, because, honestly, you know, they don't know what they don't know. That's that's the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. And, True. Uh, they don't know what you're not teaching them. That must be an old Ooh. people motto because my whoa, dad whoa, says that all the time. Whoa, I'm 53, <laughs> remember? You just said I was young. <laughs> Don't you don't know what you don't know? And, and yeah, I mean, but the thing is, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't really get any simpler than that. True. It's so true. There's yeah. so many good examples yeah. of that. You know? I, I think whenever yeah. you and I met up that day, um, that was that was one of the points you really drove home, and I didn't take offense uh, yeah. to it because yeah. it was like, dude, you're totally right. Like, yeah. I don't even know some of the questions to ask because I'm really new at this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so it's like, you yeah. know, in a way, it's like, yeah, it's 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 my responsibility to learn, but it's also. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person that I'm working with or under, you know, yep. however you want to put it, um, it's it's up to them to if they want me to progress. You you got to help show me the way. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I don't need you to hold my hand necessarily, but mm-hmm. like, yeah. Here's a little nudge. You know. Right. Exactly. Yep. And you can't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. You cannot swallow your pride, yeah. even if you think it's the dumbest question. Ask it. Yeah. You check cannot it make the door. Can't make yeah. any assumptions because as soon as you start making assumptions, it's going to come around to bite you in the butt. Well, happens think, every I think time. Zach is a perfect mentor because he's learning yeah. young, and then he was already a teacher, a second grader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can lesson plan. That's yeah. What yeah. So you're used to it. You're ready for this. Yeah. And yeah. you know how to deal with you know. It's a good background. People at that seven year old age. For sure. Absolutely. No question. It's better to ask a stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally agree. <laughs> better but, to ask a stupid question than to do something stupid. Bam. There's another one. That must, hey, be, that must be a young person's thing. That's a young person's thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So let, let's uh, let's. Talk. Remember the first time I knocked yeah. a leg on a. <laughs> go ahead. No, you go, go, go. <laughs> I know where this is going. Oh, I was just gonna say. I remember the first time I knocked <laughs> I knocked a leg on a tripod. Yep. And my dad punched me in the arm and he told me I owed him a six pack. And I was like, what the frick are you talking about? <laughs> so ask dad, questions. I'm only 14. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. That's great. All right. So we, we, there's the, again, we could talk on these things for hours, I'm sure, but this has been great. Um, so everyone yeah. knows, you know, we touched on this a little bit earlier. Everybody knows what an architect does, what an engineer does. How do we educate the public? Because that's such an important thing. The public, how do we educate, educate, <laughs> educate Ed, educate. the public to make them understand and aware of the value that land surveyors provide? Um, Adam, I'm going to let you go with that one first. Definitely. I think, uh, you know, I had a hard time, um, like I said, finding research in these things. I think social media one is definitely something that, you know, that mm-hmm. we should pursue. Um, but again, I think the key thing, I think, uh, you know, surveyors do protect the public, right? Just like the engineers when they design, you know, they're, they are liable and they can get sued and, and whatnot. So I think, you know, getting that information out there, seeing how valuable uh, a sur- uh, surveyor is, I think is definitely, uh, definitely important to, to get that out there. And I think social media right now is the, the best, you know, best way. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I did a lot of research, you know, since I, I, I am paying for school out of pocket. I had to do a lot of research, you know, before I made the decision to go into serving. And uh, I can, I'm telling you, I, I didn't find a lot. I stumbled into you guys, luckily, which I've listened to to uh, most of your podcasts. But there's not a lot of people out there doing uh, these type of things, which I think we should, you know, invest in that. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. Zach, I mean, again, you're, you're only three years into this, but mm-hmm. um, do you have any any uh, any thoughts about this? Yeah, I think I 100% agree with Adam. You know, the way that um, people connect now is a lot through social media. And, um, you know, I think it's great that you guys have gone into high schools and, and all that and, you know, get kids into surveying. I've, I've printed out mm-hmm. coloring mm-hmm. pages for my kids. For sure. Um, so I, I think, yeah, it's kind of that early intervention and showing kind of, again, kind of like I said, how cool it is. But also, like Adam said, yeah, protecting the public, like the, you know, the public land serving system is, yep. it. it you know, keeping up with monuments, making sure stuff is there. Um, I mean, there's there's a million things you can do to there's sites you can check in on for benchmarks. You know, say hey, this thing is still here. Yeah. You know, I I think um, kind of kind of keeping up with with that stuff, um, and keeping keeping those uh, again. That guy that I worked with, he was really good about protecting monuments. You know, he would go all extra with lath and mm-hmm. you know he's got the four footer that says property corner and he's got these other two next to it and then he'll put a mound of stones next to it and so it's like yeah um it's kind of just preserving you know that those pieces of history that have been there for so, sure um and then yeah i think kind of kind of like what we're we're attempting to do here today you know having that discussion with younger mm-hmm. uh, with the younger guys coming up and gals um and, and again yeah showing that value in, in the education and, and the value in the uh the field experience and just you know how they come and harmonize together and right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's a tough one. I mean, I mean what, so I guess the question is, so why, why do most people know what an architect and an engineer does? Why, why is that? But they don't know what a surveyor does. I mean, where, where did we, where, where, where did we miss the boat on <laughs> where that? Where did you guys go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Where did, where did we screw up? Yeah, Farrah, oh. Farrah, what do you think? Of, well, you got something? No, no, go, go ahead. No, no, no. Okay. So fair. I'm, I'm going to set the table for you on that one. 
you guys blew it. We we blew it. We blew, I know, we blew it somewhere. I'm trying question. to figure out where the hell do we blow it. So the uh, good thing is, it's that your generation blew it, not mine. So oh, geez. man, I, I, old, I, tough uh, crowd. Who invited her? No, so many <laughs> days. Uh, no, truly though, truly, it's a great question. I think part of it is just because surveyors are so behind the scenes, um, and I think uh, we're we're just creatures of habit in that way. We don't you don't really advertise being a surveyor, you know, I don't know. I don't know why that is. Um, I think we went on this assumption that you didn't, you didn't need to market yourself because for a long time, everybody knew they needed a surveyor. Um, now you have engineers that sometimes fudge and act as if they are a surveyor and they, you know, they'll overlay a boundary on the map and, and people just don't recognize the need for it. Uh, and I guess we just haven't done a good enough job at, at speaking up. I'm not, not really sure why we fall behind the curtain so often. Mm. Do you wonder if it's a, a lack of four-year degree? Because as Farrah was saying earlier, mm -hmm. everybody's college, college, college. You got to go to college. Mm -hmm. Sure. And there's not a lot of surveying programs in yep. colleges. So. That's true. Yeah, that could totally be it too. No question. Shout out to NMSU, by the way. NMSU has a great program. Oh, um, for sure. You know, to, add, to add to Ryan. Yeah, Great there, program. There's not one in the state. There's and, nothing and there's, in the state. There's nothing. Yeah. No, we've so. nothing here. You know what the scary thing is? We're like the closest thing to uh, survey education, the geoholics. Yeah. In Arizona. We're I believe that. <laughs> I've learned so many You know many what's funny? Words. We should start giving out degrees. <laughs> we yeah, should. We're, we're accredited. <laughs> certificate. If everybody Cert. listens, if they can prove that they've listened to every episode, they should get a certificate. The pod words. We're I was going to say something. that's next month's yeah. pod words yeah. prize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, we're it's funny because. with the geoholics. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I, you know, um, I think a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but I think there is a little group of people that have tried to create content that is survey related, but I feel like it all kind of funnels back into this idea of education because, uh, for instance, some, a company reached out to me and was like, Hey, what do you think about doing a couple of video courses on sort of the fundamentals or, or how you begin being a surveyor? And so I put this up on my LinkedIn and you can, you know, go and read the comments and there was a good mix, but a lot of, a lot of what I get in messages and comments is, well, you know, basically how assertive are you going to be? Because you can't just teach people how to survey, you know, how dare you think that you could create a video giving somebody the basics or the fundamentals, because it's, you know, they, we all, sometimes we do ourselves such a disservice by making it sound like it's some very deep and, and mystical thing that we do. And we have a magic wand stick that we carry around and nobody else can possibly know how to do it without, you know, all these special things being in place first. So we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot that way. I feel like some people want to make content and want to share and show people what we do, but then they get shut down if mm. they don't have all the credentials that, that the professional side is looking for. So, well, um, we're to, if, if I can, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, go ahead. Um, to, to add to your point. Um, I think, you know, what, what you asked, what, what, what do we do wrong? What, 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 what where do we go wrong? Um, I can, I have, I have some, maybe some feedback. I have a good friend that uh, me and him started the school at the same rate. <laughs> um, the lack, I think uh, Farah said this, uh, the, the lack of the degree, right? I think that has turned a lot of people off just because of the fact that my friend, you know, he, he was going to go into serving. It, it, he loved the field, but when he found out there was inconsistencies with Arizona not having a, having a degree, right? Uh, Texas having just a two-year requirement plus, you know, experience. New Mexico having a four-year requirement. 
So all this inconsistency is kind of worried him, mm-hmm. you know, because he he did he did voice out that he was paying for school out of pocket. So you know, in civil engineering, I know it's different in Arizona, but most of the states they usually require a four year degree. So that was something Arizona he too. thought was safe. Like he he was safe for him. It was a reliable job. You know, he was going to have. Yeah. Um, so investing that money into the into the civil, um, it, you know, he thought it was going to benefit him. Um, but I think that's just to add to where, where we went wrong, right? That's my opinion of, you know, the lack of inconsistencies, the lack of, you know, we, we went from a four-year to a two-year and then some states that went no degree at all. Um, so, and yeah. just experience. So um, that's kind of my input on that. No, I think, good point. I think you raise a really good point there. Yeah. I never, I never really looked at it from, from that perspective, but it really does make a lot of sense. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and, and honestly, one of the things is, you know, if, if the public doesn't, appreciate what land surveyors do, um, that's going to trickle down. And there's been a lot of talk about deregulation. Um, and these talks get pretty serious sometimes. And even here in Arizona, you know, surveyors have brought in, been brought into those conversations. Unfortunately, you know, it's been shut down. But surveyors don't have a very strong voice, unfortunately. I mean, most of the time we're riding the coattails of the architects and the engineers. Thank God they have strong voices and they bring us along. Um, but at some point, we really got we to gotta stand up for ourselves. And I'm not sure when that's going to be. But, you know, again, deregulation is a real thing. One thing I want to talk about, and this was brought up, in, on, you know, I think by you guys as well as a number of people on Facebook, and that is, you know, building value in, in the profession, you know, providing, we, you know, you say we provide professional services. And in order to, to truly be professional, I mean, we, we have to be experts at what we do right? We have to take the time to educate our clients. And when you do that, you can, you can justifiably charge higher fees. And of course, higher fees equal higher pay for your employees. But in contrast, there's a number of quote, professional end quote, surveyors providing professional services for pennies on the dollar, racing each other to the bottom. And I, I don't see that happening like with the architects and the engineers, but it definitely happens on a daily basis with the surveyors. I'm curious, to get your guys' thoughts on on that situation. Farah, go ahead. Oh, it's a tough one. I think that really starts kind of at, uh, at the heart of every individual surveyor. If you don't value your own work, then you're not, you're going to, you're going to undercut yourself at every turn. I know that um, there's been a couple of people in our area that have that have done exactly that. And they will do a boundary survey in the same subdivision that we'll do a boundary survey in, but they'll do it $400 cheaper. The interesting thing right now is that everybody, at least, I mean, I don't know about you guys down South, but up here, we are so busy that, you know, prices are going up and our, our timeline for stuff is just insane. So people are pretty much willing to pay just about anything if you can promise them that it'll be done in three weeks. So Um, I I think that people just need to work together. This is where one of those things um, comes in, you know, when you're not working for some huge firm, which so many surveyors are just these tiny little privately owned companies that do set their own, their own standards of pay. And so if you've got really small crews and, and you think, you know, two of you can go out and get something done um, for way cheaper than the bigger company that has more overhead and needs to charge more then they tend to do that. Um, so I'm not really sure how we fix that uh, without implementing some kind of um, overall price standard, which which wouldn't work for anybody, at least with what we do. So yeah, tough one. Yeah. So I'm not we're not suggesting price fixing 
Let's get made, let's yeah. make that clear. <laughs> no collusion. <Good>. No collusion. <laughs> but we are. No. Okay. Universal basic income for surveyors. Yes, there you go. I love it. I what's, love what's it. What's the minimum wage? <laughs> 15 bucks an hour. Oh no. No. Terrible. Not, yeah. No, I'm right. not suggesting that either. Yeah, right. All right, Zach, you got anything on this? Um well, which part? Because you asked a few questions. Did I? I don't know. I'm doing it. It's been a just, just about pricing. Just talking. Yeah, okay. I mean, everybody you, I mean, racing I, again, to the bottom, you're, you're probably the yeah. professional service. You're probably the young, not the youngest, but the uh, least experienced, don't yes. take it personally, uh-huh. of this panel. Um, so maybe you haven't seen a lot of this because you're probably not, you know, on the side doing proposals and maybe right. you're not getting copy or getting, you know, um, yeah. included in these discussions. But mm-hmm. um, I'm I mean, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I can tell you. Yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of do agree with you. There are, you know, in certain areas you have, um, you know, when you're doing research, you find maps of other surveyors that are kind of in your area mm-hmm. and you get very familiar with the way that they do stuff. And, you know, um, and sometimes, you know, that that other company does win by, you know, like Ferris said, maybe 400 bucks mm-hmm. or just a few hundred bucks. And I think you nailed it on the head, though. Whenever you can tell your client, you know, you can sell that person, you know, quote unquote, Mm-hmm. Um, but you can you can explain to them the value that you're going to provide to them and how you're going to take care of them. Yep. Um, and when that that person that's your potential client really understands, like, hey, this person's really is going to get me done, getting my stuff done in three weeks, like they said. You know, they're going to give me a really nice map. Um, you know, the guys are going to come out and be respectful to my property and to my mm-hmm. neighbors. You know, they're going to go knock on doors before they hop fences and yep get attacked or shot at or whatever. You know, I, I don't. It's the wild west out here. So you are uh, you are survey wise beyond your years, Zach. It's the old quality. <laughs> and so and that's, that's, that's such a good point. Yeah, no question, right? Yeah, yeah. And and some of that comes from experience of having neighbors yell at me like, "Hey, that's not where my corner is. Get that out of my yard." And it's like, well, that fence was put back in the forties, and that's yeah. not really where your lot line is. Grandpa just thought it was. So, um, so I think, and then yeah, sometimes you do have to you kind of have to educate your, your client or the neighbor, like, Hey, you know, this is what we're doing. This is why. And, and, and the older gentleman that I worked with, he had a really good answer. It was always like, you know, somebody would come out and say, well, why are you checking that person's stuff? I need you to just survey my stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, we want to make sure everybody's (laughs) stuff. Yes. We want to make sure that everybody looks good Yep. because you know, if this guy's three foot long and this guy's, you know, half a foot short or whatever, then none of this works. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Yeah, it's such a good point. Um, Building your repertoire in your area and explaining to your clients exactly what you do. I can't tell you how many times we get phone calls from people that are like, I just need the back corners set. You know, I don't need a whole boundary survey. I just need two. And and you do you a good surveyor takes that 30 minutes on the phone away from everything else that they're doing to explain to this person, listen, you know, here's how this works. And in order to ensure that we're getting everything correct and we're doing it properly and and those corners are where we say they are, here's the rest of the big picture. And you have to explain that a little bit. But when you do that and you take the time, um, at least I have found that even if our timeline is a little bit further out, um, those clients, they still come back again and again because you've taken the time to educate. They understand exactly what needs to be done and why it needs to be done. And that, and they trust that you're going to do a good job because you're knowledgeable um, and you take the time and you're willing to explain it instead of just saying, yeah, it'll cost us, you know, $600 to do a boundary survey. And, and you don't take the time to, to explain what any of that means to them. And here's, here's the positive. Well, one of the positive things that I'm gleaning from this specific conversation is that a lot of the older, and again, I'm not in that category, a lot of the older <laughs> surveyors, 
are just stubborn and they don't want to take the time to do exactly what Zach and Farah just suggested as far as educating the clients. Like, here's the price. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. I know what I'm doing yep. and you don't. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. So you the, called me. The promising thing is that even, I mean, if this, if you three, Farah, Zach, and Adam are a cross-section of the younger surveyors and how they think, there's a ton of promise. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of promise. Absolutely. So, absolutely. So, Adam, um, what do you got on this? So, um, I think, you know, it's very important to build the, the profession, the, the, you know, the, the profession, the professional way, I guess you can say. Um, and, and, you know, not to keep being a dead horse, but we got to start from the bottom, right? We got to separate ourselves from being a profession and being a trade. Because, again, we, in my opinion, right, uh, we are not a trade. I think we're a special, you know, uh, it's a special profession. I think, you know, um, it's a very important to get your, your hands-on experience, right, and the educational, right, to become, you know, and that doesn't necessarily make you a professional, like, for, like to add to, to, to what Farah said. Having the degree doesn't give you that professional standard but in today's world right everything is school everything is is based on school right um so i think that's that's number one to me i think that's 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 key to to making us higher um as a profession now you know it's bittersweet um and i don't want to sound sound selfish here but the lack of surveyors has created a supply and demand um and i see it in my Mm -hmm. in my job there's not that many surveyors. So, you know, when there's a supply and demand, right? You know, there's not that many surveyors, so we can we get to dictate the price. Um, you know, f- I know it sounds kind of selfish and I don't want it to come out that way, but, um, you know, currently right now, you know, the survey profession is down as far as employment goes. So, I mean, everything we're bidding, everything we're sending, we're getting bite back. We're, everyone's yeah. biting. I don't care what the price is, I need this done this week. And that's good for us. I mean, in 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 our company, right? Um, but again, it is a little sad. It's bitter. It's bittersweet because right, we, we make more money, right? Um, but again, it's kind of give you know give and take. Like, what what's better? You know, is it better to to get you know for the price to increase since it's, then since the the supply is not there, right? There's there's a lack of serve this there's a lack of surveyors. Or, you know, we increase those numbers of surveyors and now everyone's going to be chopping at the bit. I mean, everyone's going to be cutting throats left and right. So it's kind of bittersweet, like I said. Um, and I would like to see what your thoughts are on that, you know, because right now, again, it's supply and demand, I guess you can say. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I remember, you know, when I first moved out to Arizona in like 2005, 2006, it was the freaking heyday. I mean, you know, as far as uh, development goes and new construction and everything, and Farrah, you remember this, I'm sure. Uh, well, maybe you were too young. I don't know. Um, but it was uh, it, it was nuts. I was sending out you know like three hundred dollars, three hundred thousand dollars staking proposals, and in fifteen minutes time, I was getting them signed and returned. It's like go 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 go, and we're kind of we're kind of at that spot again but we all we all also know what happened you know 2008 the crash of the economy happened and there were hardly any survey jobs yeah so i think a lot of people got out of the profession a lot of people left the profession which is another Mm -hmm. reason we're in Mm -hmm. the situation we're in right now good point shoots um but you know yeah very good point and uh the i guess the, the important takeaway of that is 
diversification, diversification. And, uh, you know, with all the different technology that we have available to us now, whether it be drones and scanners and, you know, you know, getting involved with GIS and, and, and everything else, you know, the more diversified you can be as a surveyor, as a survey company, the better off you're going to be in the long term. There's no doubt about it. So, no, all good points you guys made. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with time passing and older surveyors such as Kent, you know, possibly retiring. Damn. And I not, wish. Well, you're you're one of the few that you know. You're passing on the knowledge and wisdom you have. You you have somebody like Zach reaching out to you, and you're you're doing awesome. That. But some, you know, a lot of those guys aren't doing that, and technology is shrinking the profession. You got one man crews out there all the time. Yep. Uh, how's that going to affect the future of land surveying? Let's start with you, Adam. Um. Well, I think it's it's. It has its pros and cons, right? I, ha- I have a, I'm blessed to have a, a really good, um, you know, mentor. His name is Isaac Camacho. He's he's late sixties, early seventies, if I'm not mistaken. I've never asked him, but he is, he is not a very friendly guy. He'll tell you what he wants, and this is exactly what he wants. And, and you know, it's, <laughs> it's he's very, he, it's very hard. But you know, I, I, he means good, so I, I kind of understand him, which I, I got blessed. You know, he gave me an opportunity to come on board. Um, so he's going to retire soon. I think the technology, right. It's only getting more complex. You know, it's, uh, it, no, I've been, I've become very reliable and, oh, I, you know, I just click the points. The points are there magically, right. It's a CSV file that I just download, but it's really hard. We, we got to ask ourselves, how did those, how did those points come to be? What's the math behind it? Cause what if something happens one day and, you know, we're, we don't have GPS, you know, something happens, you know, with our machines, it gets broken. You know, we can't just rely on technology. Um, I think it's very important to, 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 you know, to increase our knowledge in that. Uh, but definitely, I, I think I got really blessed with, with a great uh, mentor. So um, definitely. Yep, yep. I like that it all comes back to mentoring. What do you got, Zach? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Mentoring, man, that's the, I think you, you said it earlier, you know, if uh, people aren't reaching out to people or uh, the older generation, um, <laughs> um, you know, you're not, you're not seeking that knowledge. So somebody's, you know, I'm, I'm not just going to give my kid like, you know, Hey, here's the keys, go drive the car. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. really Good. get to, you know, here, all right, here's what you need to be looking for. I mean, we start, we're, we're driving a golf cart around the, the neighborhood. I'm like, okay, you gotta be, you know, stay on this side of the road. So you gotta, you know, you need that guidance. You need that accountability. I think my big thing for me that I've noticed, um, um, I've taken like all kinds of personality tests online mm-hmm. and I found that I'm naturally, and my wife will tell you this, she'll, she's probably like, yes, he's, he's admitting it. <laughs> um, that I'm naturally a procrastinator. Yeah. And so if you don't have anybody checking in on you, mm-hmm. um, and, and there's no accountability, then there's no consequence necessarily. Those can be good or bad. But I, my fear with, um, uh, one man crew stuff is there's nobody to sound off of, um, so like, hey, let's say, you know, you just shot in a point um, and you, you just write the cutter, the fill down and, uh, you know, you move on to the next point. You get back to the office, you download your points and it's like, hey, dude, your rod height was a bust. <laughs> so you don't have anybody to call that out and be like, hey, you know, check your level on, on the gun or whatever. Yep. Um, or you're doing a boundary and it's like, hey, what if we were to approach it this way rather than the way that you're attempting to approach it? Um and so, so my fear with the technology side of stuff moving so quickly is, um, 
it's going to become easier for people. And I think Adam's kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, you get people out there that, that can just kind of be button pushers. Um, and then mm-hmm. there is not that, uh, the educational side behind it to, you know, quote unquote, put you in like an elite class of people that, you know, anybody can get out there, you know, and people have said it on the Facebook page, you know, all, mm. you know, newer guys are just the, you know, uh, data Appliance collectors, yeah. Yeah. you know, data collectors <laughs> yep. with Love a heartbeat. And yep. so, mm. you know, and that's anybody that wants to get better at this, this profession, uh, doesn't want to be that. I don't want to be that, you yep. know, I'm utilizing the technology that I have available to me. You know, I do know some conventional stuff, but this is just the way that it's going at this point. Like mm-hmm. you've, you've suggested, mm-hmm. Hey dude, you need to go get your, your drone cert or, you know, like you said, you know, yeah. look into GIS stuff, look at other avenues. Cause there's surveying is not just getting out and staking things. It's not just getting out and doing boundaries. There's, there's all kinds of avenues with this. Yep. And that's the exciting If I can add to Zach's point, um, you know, I think it's extremely, I'm not trying to to seem gun-ho about school, right? I think mentoring is extremely important just because, you know, I'm going through that. You know, I'm going to the actual job sites. I'm going with the servers. It's boots on the ground. That that experience is necessary. I think it's key. But the way technology is going, right, um, you have to understand what's going on with this technology, you know? Um, GIS, you know, how coordinates are getting, are being made, you know, if, you know, what coordinate system are they, are they, are they using, um, you know, stuff like that, that's concept the science behind it. I think it's going to be, it's only going to become harder with technology, uh, coming on board just because of the fact you have to understand this new technology coming out, you know, satellites and all that good stuff. For sure. All right, Farah, what do you have on this one? I agree with everything that, um, that both uh, Zach and Adam have, have just said. I think that there is a lot. I think that it's actually a young surveyor's fear to be called a button pusher because uh, if you don't have a good mentor, and it sounds like luckily all of us do, which is fantastic, but not everybody is quite as lucky as we are. Exactly. And if you don't have somebody that's willing to teach, then you don't have much of a choice. And so often we find that somebody gets into a company, they're brand new, they get three days to learn how to run the data collector. And then the office crew loads it up with what they need for the day and sends them out into the field and says, stake it, find it, whatever. And you're not getting any, you're not getting anybody telling you why you're doing what you're doing, why you need to go find this thing and tie that thing. And you know, you have no idea. You have no idea. You're just writing down numbers and you're looking at the screen and you're saying, well, it says it's here. So there it is. Uh, so the so it does. It also circles back to the mentorship thing. Um, but also, like Zach pointed out, it's so important for us to be proactive with our own desire to learn more. Um, I know when my dad was starting out, he would work all day and then he had a boss at the time that was willing to stay an extra hour and sit. And he wasn't necessarily teaching a whole lot, but he would let my dad watch him make draw maps. And so, you know, you pick that kind of stuff up and it's not on the clock. You're investing your own time. Um, And I did a lot of that when I was starting out, too. So it's kind of a push and a shove. You have to find the right person um, that is willing to really invest the time. And on the days where they don't have as much time um, to at least be willing to let you kind of hover and watch and then maybe on the drive back explain, you know, why they had to do what they did, um, why they needed to make this adjustment here or what the problem was there, you know, how all surveyors are, they stare at stuff for a long time to make sure that all their 
all their calcs are correct and everything. So yep. yeah, important for the, for the mentorship. And, and as far as the one man crew thing goes, um, I get tons of comments. Someone just commented on LinkedIn as well that says, let's start by getting back to a traditional field crew. We're not helping the industry by sending out one man crews. There's no way to train the next generation. And I couldn't agree more. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah, go ahead, what? I just said nailed it. Oh, absolutely nailed it. We nailed a lot of things tonight. I feel like this is solid <laughs> gold. It this is podcast gold, <laughs> awesome. no doubt about it. Um, I, well, I, I just all wanna, those old jokes, really, you know. Yeah, thank God I got broad shoulders. Huh? <laughs> good um, thing you're not old. <laughs> yeah, good thing. I uh, I, I just want to mention I like uh, on this specific topic. Uh, Michael Dennis used to do a presentation, and it was titled uh, "The Ghost in the Machine." Right. So basically, it's like, you know, the gist of it is the data collector says it's right. It's got to be right. You know, it's like the ghost mm. in the machine, you know, so it's some really good stuff. And I have no idea if that presentation yeah. is available anywhere online. But if it is, if you can like go on YouTube and search for Michael Dennis, ghost in the machine, it's a really good presentation. And it, it, it basically uh, sums up exactly what we're talking about. So anyways. You guys absolutely freaking crushed this. That's all I got to say. Um, there's nothing else that I have on my list of topics that I wanted to touch on. I mean, what, I would love to have the three of you back another time because there's a bunch more we could talk about. But I do want to give each of you an opportunity to, uh, you know, just maybe just pass on some final thoughts if there's anything maybe we haven't touched on. So let's start with, uh, you know, let's go crazy order. Let's go with Zach. Okay. Are we doing? Are we doing the mantra question? No. Do you want to? There you yeah. go. Here's, your, here's your opportunity. I've been preparing for this. All right, all give us your okay. mantra and then my, your final thoughts. Okay. So my mantra, yeah. So my mantra is um, be trainable. Um, we we had a, a funny saying at the office. Uh, it was on the, it was on our project board, and it said wait. So mm. it stands. It says why am I talking? And so it was like, okay, don't, don't say anything if it's not necessary. Just keep your mouth shut. Listen. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you do get a chance to put in, you give your input. Mm -hmm. um, other times it's just, hey, this is how we're going to do it. This is the best way to do it. And here's why. Um, uh, so, yeah, final thoughts for anybody. Again, um, if you do not have a mentor, I highly encourage you to do it. Um, there are plenty of people out there that would be willing to do that um, for accountability, for um, you can ask the question of, hey, if you were my age, um, how would you have done it differently? Oh. Um, and then I think, because I, I had a list of questions written down in my field book to talk to Kent about. And, uh, but, you know, he's great at leading conversations and already kind of addressed those things through our conversation. So, um, yeah, uh, don't be, uh, like Farrah had said before, don't be afraid to ask questions. There really isn't any dumb question. Yep. Um, because you obviously don't know things and you sometimes, again, don't mm -hmm. know what to ask. So just ask. Yeah. Fantastic. Well said. Well said. Um, who should we have go next? Fair Adam. Who do, you, who do you think there, PJ? Don't make me decide. Come on. You got to do something tonight. Let's go, Adam. Adam, you're next. Nice. My mantra is kind of deep, guys. So, uh, but I live, I try to live, you know, by this every day. But it goes like this it's when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. Hmm. I, I tremendously agree with that point. Um, you know, I'm, I, I am a father, um, you know, I have a son, uh, a year and a, one month and I have a daughter on the way I am married and okay. I'm, I'm, thank you. And I'm enrolled, you know, in, in, in three, three classes a semester. And I do have a full-time job. You know, I, 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 in my mind, I believe it's going to be well worth the sacrifice when I have my license, you know, and, you know, to anybody out there that, that, you know, is 
debating whether to go into the profession or not, I, I definitely recommend it. You know, I did my research, you know, um, and I think it's worth it. I think it's going to be worth it. And I think it's going to eventually grow with the technology that's here now and the technology that's going to come. I mean, it's going to, it's just going to get better. Well, well said, man. And I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't get chills after he, uh, he hit us with that mantra. That was fantastic. Oh, it was solid. Yeah. All right, fair enough. You got some big shoes to fill now. Okay. Uh, take, oh, take. man. Okay, here, here you go. Are you ready? Yep. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> my mom says it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, I love my that dad one. Has always, <laughs> it's so good. It just fits everything. Yep. <laughs> my dad has always told me that you are the captain of your own destiny, and I truly believe that. So um, much like what Adam has, uh, has said, you're in control, and if you have enough desire, uh, you'll get it done and you'll find a way regardless of what state you're in, regardless of the requirements that are there right now. Um, if it sounds good to you and it looks fun, which it is, um, then make it work, make it happen. Uh, for anybody that is thinking about getting into it, you should do it. And anybody that's new in the profession, um, I think sometimes they feel like they can't speak about it because they don't know enough yet. <laughs> but I would encourage you to just to share your experiences. Um, again, both Adam and Zach mentioned social media and it's part of how it was part of a really great outlet for me too. When I, when I started my um, accounts a few years ago and it's really easy to let, to let everybody around you make you feel like you can't have a voice about something because you haven't been doing it for long enough, but you never know the other people that you might be inspiring. I've had so many messages of people who are getting out of construction or um, even out of the military that are like, I found your account and this looks like so much fun. You just hmm. make it look fun. And how nice. do I do this? How do I get involved? So never be afraid to, you know, speak up, share your experiences, no matter how new you are. And yeah, captain of your own destiny. I love it. I love it. And so, so Farrah, Farrah is definitely uh, a bit of an influencer on, uh, on social media. So if you don't mind, just take a second and let folks know where they can, uh, where they can find you. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, at lady underscore land underscore surveyor AZ. And I am also on LinkedIn under Farah Echeverry. Don't ask me how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, Hey guys, yeah, I, I, <laughs> Wow, I'm humbled. Um, you guys exceeded all expectations tonight, Absolutely. and this was like the perfect group of guests we could have to discuss this top these topics. And there's, like I say, there's so much more we can touch on, and we'll get to that another time for sure. So again, just thank you, thank you, thank you. It was, it, it's been great. Um, anything else, guys? I think we covered it all. That's it for me. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's a, a great yeah, maiden you, uh, podcast for the for the new studio. I think yeah, Zach good christening. Good I think christening. Zach wants us to put a bow on this one. <laughs> put a bow on it, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Another awesome value-adding show, I must say. Please be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com. Follow us on all reputable social media outlets by searching for, of course, The Geoholics. Download all of our podcasts from just about everywhere. And don't forget to download the Geoholics app from Land Surveyors United. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. We do read and respond to all emails. Last but not least, please support our amazing friends of the program every chance you get. Be sure to mention that you're a geoholic for the extra special VIP treatment. Pay it forward, add value, make friends, the sex pistols, problems, available everywhere. 
as always, until next time, be safe and healthy, everybody. Once again, thank you to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping, Inc. at ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. at AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS at Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley at CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation at CyanicAutomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying at DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey at GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. Land Surveyors United at LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays at MentoringMondays.xyz. Monson Engineering at MonsonEngineering.com. Parkland Community College at Parkland.edu slash LandSurveying. Safety Apparel at SafetyApparel.us. Tiger Supplies at TigerSupplies.com.